0: Welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. Business is a series of evolutions. This podcast explores how to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people you choose to serve. It will look for the lessons and the failures of the past and share the success of those getting it right today. What is the next evolution of your business? Now, here's your host, Dave
1: Clare. welcome to another episode of the evolution of business show as always i'm your host dave claire and today we have one of my very good friends who i have known for many many years now cole Levander, who's the founder and owner of rates Calc. now cole has worked in the recruitment industry for nearly 30 years so you wouldn't know it for looking at him with eight years specifically in technology consulting he's worked with boutique national and global organizations gaining invaluable experience and life lessons, which he's gonna share with us, I am sure, uh, that enable clients with these unique insights. Uh, He is also well-known and well-loved in the recruitment circles, fondly regarded for his approachability and down-to-earth attitude. And to many of us, he's known as Uncle Cole. Uh, He has successfully set up four staffing agencies, lived in five cities, three states, and traveled extensively across the Asia, Asia Pacific region. Uh, delivering recruitment and technology solutions everywhere he goes. Cole is a subject matter expert on compliance, awards, pay rates, and assisting clients to achieve uh, with the speed speed to market and efficiencies to protect their businesses. Uh, So really important stuff, especially in today's world. Cole now lives on the Sunshine Coast with his family and manages a global team of specialists. Uh, In most recent years, though, with his team, Cole has developed an Australian-made, world-class, multi award winning application called rates calc it's a unique software like no other and i'm sure he's going to tell us a lot about that so uh without further ado i would like to welcome to the evolution of business show my very good friend uncle call call lavander mate welcome we finally got you here
0: hey dave thanks so much for um, it's an absolute honor to be here and uh, most importantly more than anything mate i've been looking forward to uh, to saying hi to you online uh, during yeah. these times
1: yeah, it's been a, it's been a long while, mate. We've talked over the phone a few times and uh, over uh, social media chat platforms and stuff. But it's good to see yeah. your handsome face again, mate.
0: Thank you, mate. I really appreciate the kind words, and I don't think too many people out there would agree with you.
1: <laughs> you know, so it was really cool. Uh, obviously, we met. I think it was at the Recruitment Consulting Services Association conference. Oh. Would have been back over in Port Douglas. Port Douglas, that, yeah. like two thousand and. 15 16
0: yeah it was about yeah about 15 I think
1: yeah 15 around there so uh and uh just hit it off which was great and uh, really admired the work you're doing and uh, uh and then we've stayed in touch ever since and then I was fortunate enough to uh participate in the recruitment yarns tour which I'm sure you'll talk a little bit about throughout this uh this podcast and uh a couple of times actually which was great and I really appreciated the opportunity to uh participate in such a thing um, and it was it's such an, a great event that you you do. So really, I'm looking forward to understanding, mate, um, you know, your passion for the recruitment industry and all this to come out in this podcast today. But before we get to that and reveal everything, mate, yeah. give us the call, ander give us the 30 years of uh, experience and that, uh, you know, in 10 minutes or less.
0: <laughs> um, that's probably a little bit difficult to do, obviously, Dave. And um, I'd probably like to go back a little bit further. and. Uh... Yeah. And I, and I can do that if I can, yeah, um, please. probably because of the age. But uh, I um, uh, graduated from high school and, uh, you know, like most kids, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and um, I started off as a bank, Johnny, and uh, that was, um, you know, I hated it with the passion. So, um, But my passion, actually, I, interestingly, was in cooking. Um, and um, I studied uh um, home economics at school, so you know, um, outside being being called, um, you know, some of the things that you can't say these days. Um, you know, uh, there was, you know, and there wasn't an underlying, uh, you know, um, behaviour behind me just to get in the class with all the girls. But um, but I had a passion for cooking, and uh, I um, I took on an apprenticeship as a as a, as a chef. Oh wow! Um, and um, and I completed, um, you know my apprenticeship. Um, I actually learnt uh, how to cook. Uh, you know, at the Fresh French French restaurant in Brisbane, which uh, then became two small rooms, multi award winning uh, you know, restaurant. Nothing to do with me. Um, you know, chopping potatoes and carrots, um, and um, you know, it was a, it was a great experience. Um, and then um, um, I, uh, I I was a little bit of a no hope in respect to not knowing where I wanted to go. And my father, um, you know, obviously, my both my folks have passed, and. Uh, my father was in the railways for many, many years, and uh, he um, got me a spot as a as a shiny ass, as they used to call it. Um, you know, as a clerk in the ra- in the railways. Yeah. Um, I took that on for a, for a few years, but um, I was a, I was always a pretty big bloke. Not that the camera probably gives that away. Thank God. But um, you know, um, you know, um, I was a pretty big guy, so I uh, I started uh, working on doors and. And uh, you know, um, learned how to uh, to deal with uh, people that may have been a little bit intoxicated. It was a lot easier way back then uh, because that's yeah. that's all that was pretty much around. And um, and you know, that grew into you know getting to to go into business with a couple of guys, and uh, we set up a security agency um, that just supplied door staff. And uh, from there, um, you know, I bought those two guys out, um, and uh, I grew that business across uh, not just Brisbane. Uh, Rockhampton to uh, Toowoomba Gold Coast, but also down into Melbourne, into Sydney, and also over into Perth, uh, so where you're from. So um, yeah. I lived in Perth back in 1991, um, you know, in North Perth. Um, ah, we were here and, at the uh, same time, mate. <laughs> yeah, so um, so I, th- that was, you know, you know, I guess where I got my uh, part of my um, experience in staffing, but also um, when I was in the railways, I um, uh, was a roster clerk. Um, and, uh, so I used to roster over 350 firemen and, um, and drivers, um, you know, uh, back in the, back in the railway days. So that taught me a lot about rostering, um, and how to deal with people. Um, and I really firmly believe that that, um, that gave me um, an amazing skill set for being such a young guy and dealing with cranky, you know, firemen, and, you know, and drivers of the of you know of um, locomotives. Mm. So that that really gave me a lot of experience there in that area. Um, and then from there, um, you know, um, uh, I had that you know that passion obviously for cooking, um, and then I became a publican um you know welcome to the party that never ended and uh i uh, had i had several um hotel leases and uh, you know restaurants and the like associated with those hotels and uh um, and that was a great experience for me and um but then i decided to get off that uh off that train uh, even though i still had staffing agencies whilst i was doing that um, i had a couple of staffing agencies whilst i was doing that uh, mainly around events and hospitality and, um, and then, yeah, that, that sort of led me into, you know, obviously recruitment and, you know, my first, you know, gig, if you want to call it, was, um, you know, in recruitment in engineering. Um, so given what I've just shared on the podcast with my experience, the, um, uh, I saw an ad in the, in the, in the paper, responded um, and, uh, and got the gig. It was a state manager's role for a, a contract engineering organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to supply maintenance and shutdown crews. Um, and I didn't have a clue what a fitter or a baller maker did. Um, but um, I soon learned And uh, and that was purely my, you know, people skills. And, and uh, you know, if you don't know, then ask, because people are more than pleased to tell you about, you know, what they're good at and what they're not so good at. Um, and then I, you know... Um, my the rest is history. Um, I got picked up by Manpower, or headed up, um, headhunted by Manpower at the time. And, not the uh, uh, not then,
1: the L Review dancer. No,
0: no. Well, you know, but interestingly enough, I used to use that as a bit of a door opener. You know, when I was in Northern Queensland, and uh, and of course, you know, any uh, secretary that would answer the phone, um, you know, was more than pleased to allow me to come over and say hello. Um, much to their disappointment when I turned up, of course. But, um, but although I was a pretty fit bloke back then, so um, I wouldn't say it was all frowned upon um and then yeah look you know in and out working for corporate setting up my own business selling them you know et cetera et cetera so it's been quite a journey in that respect um from the recruitment side of things and then you know i, I found myself in resources and uh supporting the resources sector um particularly in the west and also in the in the black coal in central queensland the metalliferous mines in the northern wow. queensland regions um you know uh great experience but of course you know the dark clouds came over the sky in 2012 you know when uh, julia was having a few troubles there with the miners yep and i got unfortunately got made redundant and um and i've just gone okay well i've got a blue shirt on here now you know um and i was getting you know phone calls from all the other competitors of manpower at the time and it was either, you know, rip a blue shirt off and go and throw a red one on. And then, you know, how do you have that conversation with a, with a client to say, well, we're better and that's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, and I just realized that my time was done. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't have the coin behind me to, to go and set up my own staffing agency again, which, of course, is a lot easier these days. It's a much lower barrier to entry. Absolutely. And then, um, and then I got into, um, into technology. Um, and uh, from there, um, uh, a guy um, gave me an opportunity to, to sell his software. I didn't have a clue about cloud technology back then, um, and uh, I was his regional sales and solutions manager across Asia Pac, and sold. Um, you know, took. You know, I always call myself Dave. I think you've heard me use this saying. I've always um, you know call myself a forward, not a back. Um, so yeah. it takes me a while to get things right, yeah. um, and then I then I get it. And then I'm on fire, um, yeah. and I yeah, I was incredibly successful for these guys. Um, yeah, sold a lot of software, particularly up in you know, Dubai, um, in Vietnam, Thailand, in um, Singapore. Um, so it was terrific, really. Um, and um, you know we had a fantastic ride. Um, but then, um, you know, at that time, um, my mum got crook, and uh, I had to I had to look after mum because I was the only surviving sibling. Um, so I looked after Mum, and uh, and I resigned from that position, and I started work Tech Solutions on her dining room table, uh, wow. and uh, and then I worked together with a guy. Uh, we designed a, a piece of tech um, called Scopes, which is when you first met me, yep. and uh, which was uh, an algorithmic uh, driven tool to help organisations select the right technology and measure return on investment. So I, suddenly I became a, a tech consultant. Um, and, uh, and that was, um, you know, a lot of fun. And I helped over 150 businesses, you know, on their technology journey, um, you know, saving them a lot of money and, um, you know, pulling them away from the white noise of super software sales guys and, um, you know, uh, and got some you know, terrific results. And, uh, but then I spotted the gap and, um, and the gap was what I'm doing now, which is RedScale. So I'm not sure if that's 10 minutes, Dave, but um, Mate, you know, no, that's, that's, a... that's, that's as quickly as I can fit it in
1: mate that was a hell of a journey. I learned a lot more there than I already knew, uh, which is always a good thing. Uh, and, you know, when you, and it's interesting now, when you think about the work that you're doing, uh, whilst you're, it's a tech play, if you like, uh, yeah. within, the, within the recruitment industry, um, your ability to understand your clients, because you've worked in banking, railways, cooking, um, security, hospitality, resourcing. So pretty much every industry that your clients may touch you have yeah. a much more in-depth and, um, you know, empathetic understanding to the challenges of those industries and then be able to apply yeah. that technology stuff that you basically. do today to yeah, it. So, yeah, mate. Yeah, so that's, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love what you said there. Um, and, you know, I, I always look for the simple pearls of wisdom and uh, I don't know if it's a lavanderism, uh, but it's like, if you don't know, then ask, right? Like it's just a simple thing. Like it, from a learning point of view even as a you know when you're going into a whole much field you didn't know or for yourself is if you just don't know just ask right yeah yeah
0: absolutely and looking at the same rocket science yeah and looking the same can be said for you know um kicking that door in you know like if you don't if you don't know someone there ask someone who does you know yeah Um, if you don't ask the question you never know and that's right it just just opens
1: things up So from a leadership point of view, too, to me, I think it's quite fascinating because there would be this, sometimes there's a misconception that the leader should know. But when a leader goes like, hey, guys, I don't know, tell me, what do you think? Or we ask our team for the answers that it could be uh, be seen as a sign of weakness as a leader, when actually it's a a sign of strength because you have strength of character to be able to, to find the answer. And you're actually demonstrating that you're more interested in the right answer than just your answer.
0: Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, yeah. um, and look, I'd encourage anybody, you know, um, if they don't, you know, if they don't approach things in life that way, then, you know, you should.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just a simple pro wisdom like that, which was fantastic. Um, what, what, the, the whole point of this show call is about it's the evolution of business. Now, uh, a lot of um, people have a very strong growth mindset and there's nothing wrong with a growth mindset. However, many organizations have grown into obscurity or irrelevance or faded away into the sunset because they've been so focused on growth, about adding more and more and more and doing more and more and more of what they're doing when the market can or turn or shift um, or clients' demands can change um, and their business model becomes irrelevant. Uh, so I always challenge people in terms of, you know, you know there's a difference between growth and evolution. And, and I always like to get my guests to share, h- how do you see the difference between growing your business and evolving your business?
0: Um, look, I mean, again, you know, whether it's a, you know, a clarism or a statement, um, there's, there's an evolution and there's a revolution. Yep. Um, and, you know, revolutions are, you know, quick, um, usually lack thought, um, you know, they lack strategy, um, you know, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, they, they don't necessarily work out. Um, you've got to evolve and you've got to take things nice and steady and slow. And if you can do that um, and be patient, you know, with that approach, um, then you've got to win in the long run. Um, and, and that's my view. Um, I yeah. think that, uh, you know, organisations now in particular, um, you know, and, you know, we've, we've, we've discussed this, as, you know, between us, Dave, you know, you know, the the changes that have come on this year, you know. I mean, jeez, you know, I wish I started Zoom instead of Ratescock, I can tell you. You know, what's that market cap Yeah, yeah, what's that market cap now? I mean, it's just outrageous. No, I mean, I wish you'd
1: started it, yeah. Yeah,
0: either way, you know, and you're a shareholder, whatever, you know, it's like... I'd you all the way. It is outrageous. But, you know, what we've seen, you know, not that we, you know, we want to, talk too much of the show about COVID, but, you know, what we've seen here is, is a societal change. And yeah. the societal change is, you know, and, and I honestly believe, you know, several years ago, and I've always adopted, you know, a work from home policy, you know, um, and I've always been motivated. It's never affected me wherever I work. Um, but, you know, uh, um, you know, when I started RecTech and then when I started RatesCo, and obviously the Yarns uh, journey as well, all of our team were remote. Yeah. And, um, sure. You know, we had a couple of people that, you know, if I started just could not work from home, you know? And I, and I think that, you know, uh, whether it be Australia um, and I can really you know, realistically probably over the last number of years speak, you know, about Australia rather than other countries, uh, but you know, the, the world's a big place. And, um, you know, uh, there needs to be flexibility in the workforce um, and where the workforce resides, yeah. and we're seeing it now um, and I think several years ago Dave um, Australia, well, the general Australian psychic or the business um, mentality was that um, they didn't have the maturity to work from home and, and I still don't believe that a very large portion of the population does you know, they, they want that interaction they want to have that coffee, they want to have that, that catch up, that water cooler conversation and, and, and look, and to be fair it can't be underestimated either you know, there's great value in that, um, and and you know, you've got to learn to 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 be able to um, adapt, um, and then ensure that that value is coming, you know, through the way that you're running your teams. Um, and if you don't do that and you're not engaging and you're just leaving people to their own devices, then they're, you know, running around like the literal headless chooks. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, look, I know organisations that sort have of, you know, simply just, you know, pulled down their desks and hop desking and, you know, not renewing leases and all that stuff. and you know and that's look that's all well and good I think that's really short term um but yeah you know, there needs to be a fundamental shift in the way that we're managing our workforces and managing our teams um, because yeah. it isn't for everybody it isn't no. for everybody um no. and and I think that there's a very large portion of the working population that those that are working at the moment um and I you know uh, whatever those stats are, we're not going to go into those kind of statistics. But yeah. um, there's a large portion of those um, of the workforce that is working from home that doesn't want; to, you know, they don't want to work from home. Um, and uh, you know, uh, it'll be really, really interesting to see over the next six months. You know, what turmoil that creates. Um, but certainly, from my perspective, you know, we, we've had a you know a little bit of a hiccup, you know, with some of our offshore resources yep. um, during this period. Different environment, you know, um, very different environment. But, you know, we had a couple of people that decided to take the job keeper, and I'm just going, well, you know, um, that's fine. But at the end of the day, um, life goes on and business needs to continue and, you know, love you and all those sorts of stuff and really value your contribution to the business. But um, I'm going to replace you, you know, um, because I need to. My business has got to continue um and you know one of one of the young ladies contacted me you know whatever it was two months ago and said i'm back i'm ready to come back i'm going but there's no spot you know
1: yeah
0: um there's no spot um but i really honestly believe that yes you know the dial has probably shifted a little bit dave in respect to that maturity piece to be able to to work from home but i still don't believe that it's completely gone with the, the, the full paradigm shift either
1: no, no. And, and you know what? I don't know if it ever needs to or would totally do that. And also yeah. industry in that. Um, like, you know, we've gone from virtually nobody working from home to virtually everybody working from home. And I think we'll balance somewhere in the middle in some distributed format of working where even some people might work from not might work from home one or two days a week and in the office or for certain times and various other things like, you know, um, even me when I was leading ATC at the time when you and I yeah. first met. Um, I yeah. had that whole organization set up. So our um, our ad- operations or our admin manager for the organization, she could work from home. She had a young child if she wanted to. She was already set up to be able to do everything she needed to do from yeah. home. Our field officers, or industry consultants could work from anywhere. And we had like already mobilized yeah. the whole workforce. And we had the office where people would come in and uh, yeah. in and out as needed. Um, so there's- Absolutely you know, what, do we need to have these massive spaces now? I don't know, or can we set up hot desking? This will all be, the, the future will reveal itself. But once again, subject to what your organization needs to do to evolve itself, to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people you choose to serve. And if you can do that remotely, distributedly or from an office space, that is up to you to decide how to do that.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. And I yeah. think the classic yeah. is i oh, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, right? the, the, the classic is, um, you know, how important is it to have a landline, right? You know like everyone just calls a mobile anyway right yeah um and you know oh no you know i remember someone saying to me several years ago you know when i started rectech you really need to have an office address and you really need to have a landline and mm. i go what for you know you know what what does one raffles place in singapore you know stand for yeah. everybody's got that on their business cards and saying that they're in singapore
1: yeah my office is um, on the terrace
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they're not, right? It's, no, no it's, I know. It's, no, it's yeah. just an illusion, right? Yeah. Um, it's just a complete illusion. And, and I think a lot can, of people... You don't.
1: can today have like a cloud-based phone. I mean, because like, one of my clients in Melbourne actually... Totally. Um, yeah. Or you know, well, just through
0: Skype or whatever. You'll yeah, have a,
1: a online style number, but yeah, totally just cloud-based. That means they can move their operation whenever they want. They Never don't have where. to file new phone systems and change everything. It's all just done through cloud-based solution, which is... Yeah, fantastic. you bet. Yeah, you bet. So, Cole, talk to me um, about, you know, this whole things about evolution. So um, reflect back on when, you you know, what was your most uh, memorable or significant or whatever might have been own personal evolution where you've, you know, all this journey that you shared with us already, you know, when do you, when was that time when you really think you made a bit of an evolution? I know I appreciate it's like a gradual process, which I agree with you, but was there one that stood out one moment in time when you really felt you've evolved here as, as a person? Yeah.
0: Uh... Look, Dave, you know, I mean, unsolicited, of course, you know, I've yeah. had several people say to me, um, you know, congratulations on your evolution, congratulations on your um, your reinvention um, is probably the word that they've used. Yeah. Um, because they've known me for a number of years or known of me for a number of years. And then suddenly, you know, um, I became a technologist. And yeah. even though I was tech consulting, um, I had a business partner who, um, you know, uh, and I didn't really sort of know too much um, better um, proved to be a little bit of a cowboy. Um, and, uh, and he was supposed to be the technical partner in Raidscock when I first started. Yeah, And he's a lovely guy, um, like really super guy, um, but he just was never going to be long-term. Right. And um, so we just, we agreed to disagree. And I, um, you know, we settled, you know, um, appropriately and as, and as friends, Um and uh, you know, next thing here I am as a technologist, and I've got a piece of technology that's sitting in the cloud, and uh, you know, um, and I'm running a um, a couple of devs in um, in uh, a third world country overseas, and having to manage that, and um, and getting all of that, you know, in play, but most importantly, just getting the the little things it's just the little things you know it's no different to any little business or a small business when you're starting we're a complete startup you know conceptual not even not even a beta you know um with class customers and pilots you know and suddenly you know um i've got this you know all this code that i'm looking at i'm just going okay right okay how do i do this and um And and I think you know, um, if there's such a thing to do at my age, um, it was an incredible thing to, um, to you know, find that additional level of maturity within myself, to take ownership of that. Um, That was really, really um, difficult to do. I mean, I didn't share that with anyone at Mm. all. I just kept it within myself and just took it by the horns and just got on with it. And and again, you know, segueing back to your comment, mm. um, if I didn't know, I'd ask the question. And yeah. I guess you know, when you've been around long enough, um, as uh, clearly I can on your camera, um, yeah, you, know, you ask the, you can ask the questions and um, and uh, and be proud to do so um, if you need a hand with things. And luckily. I've been very good to a lot of people. Um, and, uh, and you know, um, it's that old story, right? You know, um, there's an envelope out there and there's a favour in it and your name's on that envelope. Um, so yeah. sometimes you've got to call on those. Um, and, I, and I don't think for one second, any person that I um, ever asked about those sorts of things would ever think that I'm calling a favour anyway. Um, and that's yeah. probably, probably just the man I
1: am, you know. Yeah. And I would think a lot of those people, me being one of them, if you ask for something, we would think it is an opportunity and be a, a, a favor on our part to be able to do it for you. Um, and thank you for allowing us to participate in whatever it is that you're working on or got going on, and for reaching out for us yeah. to support. I mean, and, and, yeah, that's, it's,
0: and it's lovely. Yeah, it's a yeah. lovely place to be in life. I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, and it's. Uh, uh, I think it's just a, it's a magnificent opportunity when someone asks for your help. I mean, you know, having some conversation with people lately. I mean, the the best way to know that you're living a life of true purpose is to be of service to others and when people are willing to ask you to help and you have the opportunity like you should be thanking them for allowing you to have been given the opportunity to be of service to them not them saying yeah. thank you for being of service to me you know like yeah i think that's pretty powerful so um yeah, so apart from going from the, the human behavioral studies the psychologist that you were to a technologist because um, all those other jobs you were talking about uh, handling human behavior. What, when you think about the business, was the, from a business evolution point of view, in, in all your vast experience and the businesses that you've held, um, what was the most significant business evolution that you feel that you've been through? It could be your business or business you were involved in or one of your own businesses. Um,
0: look, I've got oodles and oodles of those stories, um, you know. One. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And I'm going to give you one. Um, I'm actually going to go back. Um, I'm actually going to go way, way back to when I became uh, a publican, right? So I became a, a mine host. Mm-hmm. And I uh, used to consult to a business, um, you know, which uh, Bondi over there used to own called Ostertil. And um, yeah. so Alan Bond and uh, he owned you know, oodles and oodles of hotels. And um, Anyway, there was an opportunity, it got posed to me to, to take over a property um, in South South Brisbane. Yep. Anyway, um, I knew the hotel and um, and it was um, not a nice hotel. Yeah. It was pretty rough. Um, you know, it, it had a, a, a pretty disgusting clientele. Beautiful hotel. Um, magnificent. It was a grand old lady. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, it was just run down and... Like anything, you know, as, as cities evolve, um, you know, and you, you talk about multiple suburbs around, you know, um, most of our capital cities around Australia, yeah, um, as yeah. they evolve, um, and it was a um, a beautiful hotel that was run down, tired, all those sorts of things that you hear, um, and it was full of, um, uh, you know, uh, culturally, I probably can't say that word, but. Uh, you know, there were some undesirables there, and um, mm-hmm. you know, fundamentally, it was offered to me and said, "Look, you know, do you want to take it on?" And I'm gone. Okay, um, so I so suddenly, you know, I, I was a hotelier, and uh, we, uh, I had I had a bit of money in the bank account, and I said, "Right, okay, let's," um, you know, and I came up with a concept, and I always remember that. One thing that always used to stick in my mind, and um, and I share this story, you know, um, you know, when I have an opportunity, but not often, and hasn't been for a number of years. So you know, your listeners are, are going to hear something that's uh, that comes from the depths of when I was a kid at high school. Um, I used, to, I never liked my typing teachers, right? Um, and uh, you know, we always used to type. The quick, yeah. sly fox jumped over the lazy brown dog, right? Yeah. Um, I was terrible at typing, right? big fingers, whatever. Um, so I came up with a name of the Sly Fox um, and uh, and I called the hotel, which used to be known as the Hotel Terminus, and I called it the Sly Fox and made it a location hotel. Um, and, uh, you know, I sought out a guy who was an amazing artist. He, he drew up a logo for us. Um, we put a bar in there. I put a, a really cool um, uh, eatery, um, a little bit modelled, actually, interestingly enough, on Fast Eddie's um, over in Perth.
1: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, Easter, twenty four seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they used to do great food. Um, and um yeah, and was, so I took some ideas.
1: Pinocchio's on Murray Street.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and um, yeah, exactly spot on, right? Um, and uh, so I, I created this location hotel, um, you know, and ran all these different types of nights there. And um, we we turned that hotel for by the time we, you know, and again, you know, forgive me if I'm sounding a little rough, but by the time we belted. Every clown out of that hotel and got rid of the grubs that used to frequent it. Um, when I took over the pub, it was doing uh, eleven thousand on a on a pension week and about seven thousand on an off pension week. And yeah. It went down to about three grand and say five grand something like that. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, we're talking back in the you know the um um in the early nineties, very early nineties. Yep. It was actually not long after I came back from Perth. Actually, okay. And um, and interestingly, um, we uh, cleaned it up you Know, gave a lick of paint, whatever, knocked a wall out, put an RSJ in, etc., opened the room yep. up, etc. Um, and we turned it into a you know, a $65,000 turnover hotel. Wow. Um, um you yeah, know, there were, there were. Thirty odd rooms upstairs, which um, you know they used to have drunks that would just wet the mattresses and all that stuff. We cleaned that all up and turned it, and I turned it into a backpacker's hostel. Huh.
1: Um,
0: so I, I created this, you know, this, this vision, and whether you call it illusion or what, but there was always activity around the hotel. There's always people coming and going. Yeah. Um. And it and it created that vibe that oh, hang on a sec, there's actually people outside the hotel, and there's people in the bars and whatever. And then suddenly, you know, people are going, oh, it must be cool to drink in there. It might be safe. Um, I, I won't go into the full details of everything else that we used to do there, but um, which was completely on, um, above board and clean.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, um, but it may shock a bit of the audience. But um, yeah, with how we had to clean the place up.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but, um, but seriously, um, that, that was an absolute. Well, you know, I, I contradicted myself saying you know, uh, evolution versus revolution. That was a bit of a revolution that one because you know, yeah. we didn't have much of a choice, right? But that was an amazing turnaround.
1: You know, well, you- to do what we did there. Yeah, well, once again, is it a total turnaround? Because when people like a revolution is doing like a, you know, like a come full circle kind of thing, right?
0: You know, yeah.
1: evolution, like it's just the next phase, the next, you know... Uh, well, it
0: became an, it, well, it became an era. It became an era. And and, yeah. uh, and the hotel is still called the Fox now. Uh, so the legacy lives on. Um, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And it's interesting when you talk about there, because in uh, a lot of work, uh, certainly I've done within community groups and or... Um, uh, you know like even the time up in Geraldton and things like that that, I, that I'd spent they talk about you know spaces or places that yeah. you know, and I always challenged said you need to firstly be, find a way to activate it so you got to activate that space and then yeah. magnetize so if we yeah. activate it then that causes a magnet to attract either the people we want or repel the people we don't right because a magnet can attract and repel but you yeah. got to be able to find a way to activate the space first and what you're talking about is you know you activated that the old hotel to now the slide activated that yeah. space and it magnetized yeah. the clientele type that you're looking for in terms of it became relevant to the people that you choose to serve. And this is quite interesting for me because, you know, I always challenge leaders to, you know, evolve themselves and their businesses to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people they choose to serve. But those people we choose to serve might be in, in the future, might not be the ones we're choosing to serve today. You know, if we want to, so like, you know, once again, we could be evolving the clientele that we choose to serve. Um, You know, so it's, you know, and it's understanding the ability to evolve to that. It's not just saying, well, this type of people, how do we evolve this hotel to keep taking care of the, these ruffians as we may choose to serve today, but are they the ones we want to serve going forward? And if we want to evolve, but then we might need to also evolve our appeal and how do we activate a space that would magnetize those people to that?
0: no doubt and i mean just you know, considering the the location you know, so those of you are from Brisbane, um, yeah, we'll know the location over there in South Brisbane now. I mean, you know, like when I when we took that over, I mean, um, you know, the World Fun Park had closed with Expo eighty eight. Um, yeah, South Bank was the, it was a dust bowl. You know, yeah. like there was just nothing around. Like if you go over to South Brisbane now, it's eclectic. There's restaurants everywhere. Oh, I know, I love There's, it. Yeah, you know, it, it's an amazing, an amazing space. And yeah. but uh, yeah, going way back to those times, yeah, um, it was a, it was it was a
1: pretty hard area. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, it probably reminds me of uh, when you describe it, how Fremantle was over here in WA before the American Yeah,
0: it, it, it's, it's exactly that same <laughs> yeah. scenario. It's spot yeah. on.
1: Well, yeah. well, well spotted, yeah. yeah. So, so, Cole, uh, talk to me then. Uh, what do you see in the future as a technologist now? Um, and it doesn't have to be technology-related, by all means, please. Um, but, sure. you know, if you were to, to, you know, what what's the next three to five years? What do you see? What do you... Thinking might happen what can you share some of your foresight wisdom wild ass guesses whatever it might be as to what you think the next three to five years holds for us um that you know that that you're considering as you look at how to evolve your organization and race cult going forward
0: yeah look it's a great question on the basis that um it, it's so unknown in so many ways mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it is going to be determined by um you know behaviours of organisations and their and their attitude towards their workforces Um, I've got no doubt whatsoever that um, I've got no doubt whatsoever that there's going to be a a monumental shift in in the way that people work and it's been coming for a long time Um, and you know the new world of work um, you know we are you know really you know um, in the I suppose you know um, the human age, you know, we had yeah. the stone age and whatever the case may be in the iron age, we're in the human age, this is about humans and, you know, um, humans choose to do what they want to choose. I mean, you know, let's just, you know, very simply just, you know, look at us or maybe myself even, you know, we were brought up, you know, by the Australian dream, you know, get your own house, you know, all that sort yeah. of stuff. I mean, my kids have no interest whatsoever in, in owning a home at this point. They're enjoying life. They're traveling the world. They're having fun. You know, they're just they're living life. Um, and the and the Gen Z the Gen Zs and the and the millennials have just got a totally different mindset. Um, and they you know and, and we'll blink and um, you know, they'll be you know, our age and uh, you know we'll have a a, a, a different view on life. Um, uh, so it is it is difficult to um, to predict, Dave. And but I think um, in in terms of you know your your point about staying relevant you know this now is about having um a really different attitude towards the way that you're managing your staff and the way that you um are engaging your talent there's no doubt about the fact that we've seen it already you know creative piece has pushed it that way in respect to you know zoom and online yeah. ref checks and all of those you know um, everyone's moving to ms teams and you yep. know, um, three hundred and sixty-five, and you know that full, you know, cloud evolution of technology. I mean, I'm still surprised how many corporate organisations um, are still using server-based technologies. Um, you know, and that's that's going to go, um, but you know, um, but they, you know, but some of them choose that, you know, because of the the fact of you know cyber security and all of those different things, and which is becoming you know even more to the forefront than what it ever has. Um, but um, I think the you know, the key thing here is, is you know, really about you know, location. Where is someone living? We've talked about this offline. You know, um, yeah. you know anywhere out south of Perth, north of Perth, you know, south of Brisbane, north of Brisbane. You know, they're just getting snapped up everywhere. Um, and people are saying, you know what? Um, I can come to the office as you touched on earlier, one yeah. two days a week, um, but I'd prefer, you know, I want to live life and I want to live in a nice place and you know, organizations need to cater
1: for that. Um, yeah. I mean, that mean, brings so some people big... are commuting like an hour each way. Uh, yeah. You
0: know. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, in Sydney in Melbourne, and in in Sydney Melbourne,
1: Sydney and Melbourne, they're used to doing that, right? Yeah. Um,
0: you know, and, uh, and you know, they're the ones, they're the culprits, the Mexicans that are buying all the property up here sight unseen and paying too much for it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, look, look, that's part of it. I think um, that, that's part of it. There's no doubt about that. And, um, and, Having that in consideration is really, really important in terms of your search for talent and uh, and having that understanding. I think from a corporate um, governance and compliance piece, um, the, the biggest challenge that we're gonna have, um, and you know, if you're not, you should be, is really going back and reviewing all your policies um, and how are you managing this work from home stuff? Um, you know uh, what is your onboarding process, and 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 how do you give the new employee and the new candidate the very best chance of uh, being successful in your business? Um, and I, I think all of that whole HR piece, oh and which ties into that, um, yeah. you know, is a ticking time bomb that needs to be addressed. Um, yeah. And I certainly hope that um, I certainly hope that organisations shift that way and get uh, get real with it
1: yeah, and it, it's quite funny, because like uh, like what we used to call the future of work or the future of leadership is actually the present of work and the present of leadership now because it's been forced and thrust upon most of us, um, and where organizations are struggling to, how do we control our workforce from remote working, and how do I know if they're being productive and all this sort of stuff? Well, I assure most leaders when I talked to them, said, all you knew when they were in the office is that they were in the office. You didn't know how productive they were. If you didn't know how productive they were at home, you didn't know how productive they were in the office. All you knew is how long exactly they were right. in um, Presenteeism that. is probably costing you more than absenteeism. No doubt know? about that. And if you have that, well, then your culture isn't supportive of a high-performance organization, um, and if, there's a lack of trust in your organization, all this sort of stuff. So I love when you talked about that this is kind of like the human age, uh, and I totally agree with you. The way we work, the way we treat our people at work, um, where they work and how we treat them will be a massive uh, shift for a lot of leaders, which means then we have to look at the way we lead people. So we need to really consider this whole concept of leadership and which is where, once again, one of my challenges is, you know, do people want coaches today or bosses today? They want to be told yeah. what to do or they want someone who helps them become the best that they can be today. Yeah. And, you know, so as a leader, you need to shift from a boss to a coach and coach yeah. your team and to greater success, mate. And all the fundamental, the little things that we might forget about, like you're, you're talking about there, the, the policy review, the onboarding, the, you know, getting people set up for success in the first place. Uh, one technology company, a simple thing, I talked to them, they, were, they have an outsourced team in the Philippines as well, and I was talking to them, and they're all in there in their shirts, and they've got their black t-shirts and their logos yeah, on them, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they're talking to their team in the Philippines, and they're saying, well, how do we bring them into then feel, make them feel like part of the culture? And I'm going, well, none of them are wearing your shirt. Their shirts, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just something as simple as, you know, make them feel part of the team, get them to be wearing your... Yeah, I've done exactly that. Exactly yeah. That. You know, so... and, and like and a little thing. team. Little, simple things like that. Little things. Yep. Yeah. Mate, um, and thank you for that. And, you know, these are our generation's most uncertain of times, Call. You, you know, you and I, we've talked about this before. We know that that is the case. But this should be the most exciting of times because when things are predictable, there's no opportunity in predictability, but there's plenty of opportunity in uncertainty. Because nobody has a clue about where it should be done or how it could or should, you know, what, what the future is going to hold for us. So then you can pretty much create whatever you want that's going to help you to stay relevant in those people yeah. there. So we should be embracing this. Um, great- and, and I think if you go back to one of my podcasts earlier was with Duncan Wardle, who was the former mm-hmm. VP of Creativity Innovation from Disney. And Duncan mm-hmm. was sharing with us the, the, the four skill sets that require humans that AI can't or hasn't yet or will be a long time before it can uh, you know, replace is creativity, yes. curiosity, imagination, and intuition. And yeah. so how are we unleashing those from the team um, into our organization when AI or automation can take care of most of the other sort of stuff? Yeah, Human age is all critical now. And the ability just to just access talent from anywhere now, which you always could have done, but yeah. now we've, we've been proven that we can work remotely or distributedly. We can now source people from anywhere in the world. To fit with why you want to do what you do and your values Yeah, I, I agree. I mean But how cool know, is that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, um, outside some of our, our dear states here, mate, the borders have come down. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's borderless, right? It, and, and it always has been if you knew how. Yep. Right? You just gotta know where you find where, where you can find the talent and how you tap into it.
1: But also um, I think uh, there's been a shift in the market, like even like for me, like if I had told my clients months ago, that the delivery would be, you know, we provide weekly accountability, monthly coaching, quarterly intensive. If I said, hey, it's all going to be done online, they'd be like, eh, kind of B grade. But yeah. now the market's gone <laughs> and said, hey, I can now deliver. Now I have clients in Melbourne, which I don't have to go and travel to see who are embracing the process online. And this is now deemed an A grade service. Like, we'd prefer to do it online if you don't mind because it works way better for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, you know, the, um...
0: I, I, I've said to a few people at recent times because I've always been a bit of a toiler and, you know, love doing my five, six meetings when I travel, you know, each yeah. day. I mean, those days are gone. I mean, yeah. you, you know, even you know the, the, the most difficult thing I think organisations have got ahead of them is the whole business development piece and how they're actually going to be able to engage with that client, right? And really to refi- refining their online skills um, in order to be able
1: to... Well, I think uh, here we are talking about the benefits of Um, uh, We were just talking about the benefits of online and everything like that. And my internet dropped out for a second there. So I missed everything you just said.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) uh... so so look, you know, and again, you know, I know you led at this, but uh, at the end of the day, um, it's about how do do you connect with someone through the PC? Hmm. I mean, we've had, you know, face chat for years on phones and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, How can you connect with that person? at their level through zoom or through online conversations. Um, and that's going to be a real skill um, yeah. and for organizations um, in order to be able to train their sales teams and their people in order to be able to be more engaging online is going to be um, you know, massive. And and if you haven't done it, um, I'll tell the story just recently, Dave, I, I was, um, tried to solicit and get some people out of their holes that they've buried themselves into in Sydney. Uh, it was around June. And I said, you know, I'm going to come down come and say hi and whatever the case may be. You cannot get them out of where they are. Um, I went to Toowoomba recently, which is just desked out, out of Brisbane um, to help a client for a day, just doing a workshop and I, um, we uh, there's you know, four or five organizations that are worth seeing out there and I don't mean that you know to um, to downplay it to women, but, um, that you know and, and two of those business owners that I knew and uh, the others I didn't and tried to catch up and you know um, I don't um, stress any relevance on, on on how important I am but I'm reasonably well known in respect to recruitment and just to go and say hello and just have a chat you know mm. um, two of those people um, three of those people I should say, one was working on Fraser Island. One was working in Gundawindi. One was working in, in Pittsworth, um, and the other two, their offices are closed. Right, oh. right in Toowoomba, right where there's no COVID, there's no coronavirus, there's nothing. Yeah. Um, they're all working remotely, you know, like maybe one of their properties they own or yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, you, know, you know, people. The hardest thing it's going to be right now is is not only um, can you get someone on the phone, but can you actually um, get them to engage with you because they are so holed up in doing what they're doing mm. and living a different life. Um, and, uh, so you really, I think sales and, and BD and, you know, general client engagement is going to be really, really tricky and really, really hard. And with those who can refine those skills moving forward, um, are going to be the winners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Isn't it? Um, I would like, even for, uh, like as I visualize the future of, um, say, circle leadership as an example, and offices around the world or whatever. Like, say, you know, if I'm here in Perth and I have a team or somebody over in um, Sunshine Coast, right? Or I'm in Sunshine Coast, and you and I are over there, and I've got a team back here in Perth, for example. Um, like the wall, imagine my wall here. This is actually a live screen that I'm I'm sitting in my office where I am, and and whoever's in Perth is sitting in their office. I could actually. Th- Technically, you walk right up the wall and say, hey, call. can you um, can you come here for a second? And you walk up to your screen. We're both standing, staring at a wall. Yeah, right there, yeah, yeah. But actually, we're looking at it as if we're looking at each other. And I yeah. say, hey, you know, that, that client with this, how's how's that going? What's progressing with this? Da, da, da. And then I can go, no worries, mate. thanks very much. And I can hit a button, go bang. Okay, now let's go to Canada. All of a sudden, Canada team shows up. They're showing up with their Tim Hortons getting ready to go. Yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah.
1: And hey, good morning, team. How are we today? Yeah, it's everything going great. Yeah, hi, Dave. How are you? You know, and it'd just be like this screen, that, but it looked like it's just a window to the other office. And we could be sitting there and we can still see each other. Like we're sitting in the same space, but we're not. Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: yeah, who there's, knows? A of, there's a lot of cool things you can do. Yeah. You could
1: technically do that right now with Zoom and just have as a live or a Skype or whatever you want. Yeah, to virtual background. A projector yeah. on the wall. That's just yeah. a live stream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So technically I could do it right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, unbelievably. Yeah. Eh? So we we will find ways to connect. I guess my point of that is we'll find ways to connect as human beings with each other to feel the presence of each other as we're there um, whilst we're working remotely or distributedly. Yeah, for sure. Okay, mate. Thank you for that. I've got one last question for you. Now, this is a random question I ask all my guests, and you get to choose between 1 to 31 and uh, I won't show you all the questions, but there's 31 random questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just pick a number and I'm going to read you the question, but you must answer it.
0: Sure. So you, um, uh, you put this in my mind earlier and I've had the 31 ringing in my head ever since, but I'm not going to select that one. I'm going to go with 14.
1: Oh, well, 31 is my favorite number, which is the only reason why there's 31 questions. It was my number when I was a goalie. Um, so number 14. Oh, very cool. So, Cole, who is your superhero persona and why? Uh, um, You're a superhero. uh, Who are you, mate? Tell me. I'm a superhero. Your superhero persona. Yes. Uh, It could be a superhero that you know, that you feel like. I mean, there's not
0: really one that I that I can draw on. I mean, I, I used to run around when I was a kid. wearing in a Batman cape, and uh, I used to like Batman back in the day. But um, look, more like really... the Incredible
1: Hulk these days, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, with with um, you know with um, you know, Photoshop and all those sorts of things, all those magical things that you can do. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, look, I don't really have any superhero persona, Dave. I, I, I'm, I don't know, mate. I don't, I've never been really that materialistic or, or think of those types of things. Really, I just um, you know, I just live and, and do what I do, you know. And um, but you so know. If you could I'd be
1: not... a superhero, then who would you be, or what your superpower would be? Let's even play with that. Just what's your superpower? What is your superpower, Cole? Um,
0: oh, look, oh, look. I have to say, um, you know, I mean. Magic has always intrigued me, um, and uh, I, I love that, you know, that piece of illusion. I've never wanted to be a magician, more, but um, I, I it always entertains me. And, uh, you know, um, I know Copperfield's probably, uh, you know, the most popular that you would, uh, that everyone knows of, and but it doesn't really matter. Um and, and to be fair, you know, I'd much prefer, as you well know, my personality, Dave. Um, I'd much prefer to select a comic rather than or a comedian, yeah. because that's the sort of guy I am. Because I'm a very light-hearted guy. But um, I've always been intrigued by the mask. You know, people who can create an illusion, and uh, you know, um, I think it's an amazing skill that takes you know so much practice. Um, as does any art for that. Yes. Matter. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, look, um, I'd have to say, you know, probably, you know, Copperfield Inc or any of those sorts of guys really, you
1: know? Yeah. Um, awesome. And mate, you are a magician. You're a magician with the technology You're a magician in the recruitment industry. You are creating magic everywhere you go, buddy. So, uh,
0: Thanks Dave. Um, yeah, look, you got to, <laughs> we've got to keep talking it up, mate. Um, and if no, if, if no one's talking it up then yeah, someone's got it, right?
1: Oh, uh, mate, like, uh, and I know, um, uh, having toured with you across australia um yeah. and the, that when you talk about being well respected that that's probably an under understatement um from an outside perspective mate. everywhere you go everybody knows who Col levander was is or and when they're traveling there and i'm like, like i didn't realize i was traveling with royalty you know i always like to think i'm a hashtag kind of famous but you are like the infamous <laughs> <So> it's uh, <laughs> mate so if anybody wants to get hold of call levander uncle cole what's the best place for them to get hold of you
0: um, yeah, you know, pretty straightforward, just go to Calc on the, on the web, there's no one doing what we're doing, yeah. and uh, you know, feel free to um, connect with me on LinkedIn, and um, you know, I'm more than pleased to, um, to have a chat to anybody, and uh, if they need a hand, would like to, um... yeah, I mean, you're not, I'm like Dave, I'm always happy to help, no matter what, so that's just part of me.
1: Yeah, no, appreciate it, mate. And uh, so uh, thank you very much for coming on to the Evolution of Business show. Uh, look forward to when we can catch up again in person. Uh, you bet. Be Awesome, mate. Uh, but other than that, until then, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, spend time with Cole Evander, the CEO and founder of RatesCalc, the technologist of today. Uh, <laughs> here's Cole. Thanks, mate.
0: Thanks very much, Dave. And, um, and thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thank you.